Hello and welcome to the check-in for community connection and conversation over the airwaves here on KBIA. We're in the midst of turbulent, even dangerous times. There's no need for us to replay the numbers and the statistics right here, right now. You've heard them before. But we can say that having all of this played and replayed in the media and in real life for us day after day can definitely take a toll, especially for our black families, students and kids. How do we talk about the grief and loss that is part of life and take center stage right now? What can we do for our students and kids who are feeling loss and even trauma? from these events in their own lives, as well as having them so prominent in the media. Well, today we have a professional who lives in these conversations all the time to help us with these really difficult questions. Professor Tashelle Bordier is a specialist in youth development. She researches grief and loss specifically among African-American youth in MU's Department of Human Development and Family Sciences. Her published work has focused on bereavement and resiliency within marginalized communities and how those grieving experiences intersects, intersect with racial power structures. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, let me first go ahead and welcome you, uh, Professor Tashelle Bordier. Thank you so much for joining us today. Sure, absolutely. Thank you for having me. We're so glad you're here. Um, let me just say to our listeners, you can join this conversation with Professor Bordier. What conversations are going on in your household? How do you talk about grief, loss, social justice issues with your family, with your kids? If you're a black parent or a black student, we'd especially like to hear from you today. And before diving into that conversation, let's just check in really briefly with KBIA reporters Rebecca Smith and Sebastian Martinez Valdivia. They've been covering the protests unfolding here in mid Missouri. Uh, Becky Smith and Sebastian Martinez Valdivia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Janet. Okay, so Becky, you produced a piece highlighting the voices of protesters and participants in the rallies. Um, your kind of subtitle on the piece that, that we have on KBIA.org was, We Just Want the Pursuit of Happiness. What's the context behind that quote that you pulled, and, and what stood out for you from the voices that you gathered? Of course. So I covered um, the demonstrations on Monday night here in town, um, which unfortunately there was some violence towards protesters that evening. We saw two protesters actually be struck by vehicles. Um, but other than that, the night um, was really about people coming together and talking about, you know, kind of like you mentioned, Janet, the shared uh, trauma and grief about what was happening in black communities. And that quote in particular really stood out to me. I was talking with uh, Robin Wynn. Uh, she's a lawyer here in town and, and works with the NAACP. And she was saying, you know, this isn't about, this isn't, she just really kept saying, you know, this is about all of us against a racist system, against racists, because we want to be able to have our black fathers and our black uncles and our black, you know, cousins and children to be able to, to go out onto the street or sell a CD or do all of these sorts of things without having to, you know, have the fear of having their life ended. And so it really was just about trying to share that the desire for these protests, for people gathering to, you know, share this space, to share this grief was about trying to say, you know, we just want our rights. We just want that pursuit of happiness. We want to be able to do these things safely uh, and know that our family members are going to be safe. And that was really 
one of the things I heard time and time again from the individuals that I spoke with, uh, the two young organizers, one was a black woman who has um, several children who are black. And she said, you know, you don't have to worry about, you know, if I had kids, if they went out of the house, whether or not they're going to kind of come back alive. And she said, this is a conversation she has to have with her kids. And I believe she said her oldest child was I mean, maybe young teenager, uh, if not even a little younger. And, and the other mother, who was one of the organizers, has a black son who's seven months old. And she said, you know, I don't, I don't know what world my son's going to grow up in, but I want to try and do whatever I can to make sure it's better than what's going on right now. And so family and that fear for family and that love for family really seemed to be what I was hearing from everyone I was speaking with that night. It seemed to be really be a through line of the Columbia protesters here in town. All right. Well, you're listening to The Check-In. We're checking in here together on KBIA. Uh, we're speaking with KBIA reporters Rebe- Rebecca Smith and Sebastian Martinez Valdivia uh, about what they're seeing at the protests they're covering here in mid-Missouri. If you've been out and involved participating, uh, you can join us. Let us know what you're seeing what you're thinking, 573-882-9136. We're also talking today with uh, Dr. Tashelle Bordere about grief and loss and social justice, where all of those intersect and how we talk about these things, how we deal with these things in our communities. Um, And these uh, impact a lot of the students, a lot of the young people that I think are out there um, at these rallies. Uh, Sebastian, you were covering what was going on in Jefferson City. Uh, what, what was it that you saw there? And, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's occurring to me that these are largely young voices. Um, you two are, are fairly young reporters, so in some ways you're young voices <laughs> kind of s- telling us what you're seeing, so I appreciate that. Um, but what were you seeing, Sebastian? Yeah, so there were a group of, I, I tried to estimate while I was there, but it was definitely upwards of 250 to 300 people uh, gathered on the south lawn of the Capitol building. Um, there was a thin line of National Guardsmen and state troopers. Um, and then on the other side of the big fountain that's there is there was the main staging ground, essentially. Um, and it worked almost like an open mic um, sort of situation. So there were one or two people who were basically connecting all of the different speakers and introducing the speakers. Um, And it was kind of one of those situations where anybody who wanted to speak could come up and speak into the megaphone. And so like Becky said, in in, in Colombia, there were a lot of black mothers who spoke about the concerns that they have about just letting their kids, you know, go out, um, you know, and and have that fear of, you know, them being policed and and then being arrested or or, or killed as as has happened in, in a number of cases. Um, So there were a lot of really common shared experiences. And one of the things that stood out to me uh, was the emphasis that several of the speakers put um, to the white attendees, because there were a lot of white attendees, um, to have conversations with their family members and with their friends, difficult conversations about race, um, because they said that, you know, too often white people just stand by if somebody in their family says something racist or something, um, you know, offensive or, or, or misinformed, and they avoid the conflict of pointing out that that's racist or that's misinformed. And so that was one of the through lines was really urging uh, people to be accountable to their or hold their friends and their family accountable and, and have those difficult conversations. Um, but after that kind of um, it, was, it was more or less an hour and a half of, of, of those speeches of people sharing those stories. Uh, And then they marched down High Street in Jefferson City. 
uh, and then they marched um, over to what used to be uh, kind of the Black Historic District. Um, so like here in Columbia, we, we had the sharp end. Um, in Jefferson City, there was the foot near Lincoln University. Um, it was a historic Black business district that was kind of torn down in the name of urban renewal um, and next to Second Christian Church in Jefferson City. Uh, and so the, the crowd marched there. Um, they laid on the ground um, for close to nine minutes um, in, in honor of George Floyd. Uh, and then they marched back to the Capitol. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was really um, interesting to hear how similar so many of these experiences were. Uh, and, and I think that's why you're seeing these protests all across the country, because this is, uh, these are experiences that Black Americans um, have all, all the time. Uh, and now, um, you know, sharing those and expressing those publicly. Right. Uh, what you say is very true, Sebastian. Thanks for that. Let me just remind people, this is the check-in on KBIA. We're talking with KBIA reporters about what they're seeing out at the protests and rallies going on right now in mid-Missouri. If you're participating, you can join us. And particularly, let us know what you're seeing um, that's difficult and how you deal with that, how you talk about these things with families, kids. Are you a student? Um, let us know what's on your mind. You can join us uh, also for the conversation we have coming up here with Dr. Tashel Bordier about loss and social justice and the grief and trauma that we have to deal with with our families and how we do that. Sebastian and Becky, let me just hit you with a uh, double question here um, before we say goodbye, which is just really general. For people who are not participating, um, what are what would surprise people about, if anything, about what you're seeing? Um, and also, do you have anything generally to add that I haven't covered here? Uh, Becky? Hmm. So I think one of the things that people who maybe aren't watching the news as closely, who aren't, you know, as connected to these experiences should realize is that this is a, this is a group of people that is hurting more than anything else. And, uh, you know, they're trying to find ways to come together to have a community to share those feelings of fear, of pain, of grief. Uh, and, and that seems to really be the through line is, is finding shared support. Um, and I guess the only other thing that I, I want to make sure to point out is I uh, ran into uh, Mary Ratliff, the president of the NAACP here um, on Monday night. And, you know, she, she mentioned that, you know, one of the things she really hopes is that these younger individuals are, are get more organized and get more involved in these organizations that have been fighting against this kind of systemic racism for years, you know, like the NAACP, like other groups, um, just so that they can have, once again, that shared sense of community moving towards, uh, you know, resolution. All right. Actually, let me go ahead, um, because what you're talking about, Becky, is so much about um, what Dr. Bordier deals with all the time with families and the, the sense of hurting that you're talking about that you're seeing at these protests. Uh, Dr. Bordier, um, can I just welcome you to the check-in and bring you in for a, res a response to that? Sorry, absolutely. Um, so um, we are seeing um, um, large amounts of grief and bereavement um, in this through the protests, or, or I would say it's much more visible um, through the protests. And and um, sorry, and I can't tell about my volume. Um, in terms of in terms of how people are expressing themselves in various ways, I guess I always like to just begin with a basic definition of what grief is and what it looks like. Um, uh, grief, in general, is a response to any type of loss, a death loss, and then also to even non-death losses that we view as significant. Uh, and so what you see when you see the protests, um, you know, is a manifestation of what people are experiencing every day at home uh, in their, as they navigate their lives, particularly, you know, uh, individuals who are marginalized, 
uh, be it uh, racially, racial marginalization, uh, gender, um, and so or ethnic marginalization or type of violence that people deal with in different ways in policing and even in their own communities uh, in terms of interpersonal violence. So grief can be expressed in, a num- in numerous ways beyond tears, right? So I think part of people's reaction or misunderstanding of what's going on is is we're seeing actions, and, and so oftentimes people, um, we see tears, but we also are actually much more likely to see people, you know, grieve through actual behaviors, whether it's um, work, putting in more hours at work or putting in hours you know, protesting, right? Some people grieve physically. They, they need to be behaviorally. They need to be out doing something to uh, express their grief, whether it's a silent protest or, and again, I'm not, I'm not, I want to be clear, I'm not encouraging any type of, you know, destructive expressions of grief, but I also want to highlight that we see destructive ex- expressions of grief all the time as well. So here we're right. seeing it visibly on television, um, through these protests, but I want to say it's not completely uncommon for to see this uh, and see this on an individual level for people who you know do destructive things like buying things they can't afford when they're grieving, mm-hmm. or you know do other hurtful things like harm another person, or you know engage in other behavior that that is not productive um, right. or you know or safe. So I want to highlight that we're just seeing it on a larger scale. Um, you know, some people right now, even in your audience, they might be noticed in their own grief um, mm-hmm. because we have allies in the community, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, other people who also believe are beyond black populations and, and female populations who believe this is problematic, that things need to change and are also grieving collectively around these losses. Um, and so um, you all might notice in this audience right now, because I always think these discussions are important, that you might be sleeping more or really struggling to sleep. I know a lot of people are struggling to sleep right now between coronavirus uh, and then these uh, losses that have been uh, highly publicized in the media, among many other losses like this that are happening uh, with police, with, you know, by law, at the hands of law enforcement. So I just wanted to highlight that, again, people might express grief through tears. They might express it behaviorally. Some of you may be eating more, eating less, stomach aches, headaches. Uh, so grief is expressed in a variety of ways. And I just want to make sure, and they're all they're all okay, as, as long as people aren't getting hurt, right, as long as they're done in, you know, hopefully pro, pro-social ways. Um, but we, we as a culture, tend to judge people, people's expressions of grief simply because we are only looking for tears, but a lot of different things are, are manifestations of grief. And I even think your basic, this basic audience should be aware of yourselves and how you're feeling right now and, and, and name it as grief because that's, that's what it is and not something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important for everybody's healing and advocacy efforts as we move forward through this really difficult time. That's great. Uh, Dr. Bordier, thank you so much for just immediately giving voice to what so many of us are feeling right now. You could not have said it better. And uh, I so appreciate it. Before I've barely even introduced you, (laughs) when Becky (laughs) said that what she's seeing is grief on the protest uh, and rallies, I thought we we actually have to let you jump in and just give a comment here. Um, So thank you so much for for that. And we are going to unpack a lot of what you just said, Dr. Bordier, over the next uh, few minutes here that we have on KBIA and the check-in. First of all, we want to get to a caller we've got, but let me just say um, really quickly, thank you so much, uh, Rebecca Smith and Sebastian Martinez-Valdivia for joining us uh, today. And please be safe and good luck out there. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Sebastian. Thanks. Thanks so much.
Thanks, Becky. Um, okay, let's take a caller, Dr. Bordera, if you don't mind. We'll go to uh, DW is calling us, I believe, from Kirksville. DW, thanks for calling. Did you have a comment for us? Yes, I do. Thank you very much for taking my call. I wanted to let you know there was actually a very peaceful protest in Kirksville yesterday. Over 300 people showed up. Um, if you're familiar with Kirksville, it's the, mm. on Baltimore Street, Business 63, uh, for over a mile. People lined the high, uh, one side of the highway, and uh, the response was actually very positive, very few negative comments, and it was a very successful, peaceful rally. All ages, all groups, everything. So well, uh, I just want to report that in from Kirksville. That's wonderful, DW. Thank you for that. And that that does seem like a really big number. And and in fact, you may or may not know that we, we I don't know if you're calling from Kirksville, but we are broadcasting Kirksville. So Kirksville listeners out there, um, thanks for listening, KKTR. Uh, and you can also call our, the same number, 573-882-9136, anytime you want to check in with us. So we hear you, Kirksville. Um, DW, thank you so much. Do you know if there's anything else planned in Kirksville? Uh, not for sure about that, but if there is, I'll let uh, you guys know. Um, okay. But, yes, do listen all the time up in Kirksville. Glad okay. you guys uh, reached that area now. All right. Thanks for listening and thanks for checking in. Thank DW. you. Take care. Uh, okay, Dr. Pordier, let's uh, dive back into the conversation that we've kind of already started here. Um, let me just yeah. as also ask you, you know, you're in these conversations all the time, unpack, unpacking um, grief, the definitions of grief, the various expressions of grief that you just um, really kind of unpacked for us a little bit there. Um, what? Let me just ask, what are you hearing from the families and the people that you work with right now? Um. What I'm hearing is um, really, and I'll be honest, similar concerns that I that I deal with. My my specialty area within bereavement is really around stigmatized losses, such mm -hmm. as, uh, in particular, homicide and all of the different, mm -hmm. you know, complication things that further complicate grief for people um, when a death is is specifically when a death is related to violence and homicide and um, particularly by an entity, whether it's interpersonally, a person who looks like them, or especially if it's a person who's supposed to be a protection, serve as a protective, you know, serve a protective function for them. Yes. Um, so what I'm hearing is, is kind of the similar things that I've been hearing for a while, and that's that, you know, parents have concerns. I see it in my research. Um, I see it in everyday encounters with, with families and in schools. Um, uh, that families are concerned about their their children, about their their partners, their um, you know uncles, aunts. You know, I also want to highlight that women are also dying in this process. They are they are next to die in terms of statistics after black men. We, we, black women um, are also dying. So um, I just want to highlight that. Well, you know, yes, we're the... focused. There's a lot of focus on that in the media. So I guess I also want to say that there are also there's also a population of people who, who understand that their daughters are also uh, mm. vulnerable, mm. Um, not just very highly across their development to sexual assault, but, but, but to police violence, to, to violence at the hands of law enforcement as well, and death like we saw with Breonna Taylor. So yes. um, we're seeing, and we're also seeing this from allies, I want to say. I think, I think what's, what's really important this round is that, and I think it's really important, is that um, there are a lot of allies uh, as DW, and thank you for your comments, DW, if I got that, it is yes. um, that yes. we are seeing, a, and it's hopeful, right? When people are grieving, they need to see examples of, of hope and ally formation. So a, a lot of things that I'm also hearing, I'm hearing from a lot of people who are non-Black, who are wanting to figure out how they can talk, how they might talk to their children about this, 
who are wanting to figure out how they might support, whether it's, you know, being out there in a protest or making a donation to Black Lives Matter. Um, so there are a lot of, I'm, I'm, also, I'm hearing from people who are marginalized racially, but I'm also hearing from populations who want to, who are, who are really focused on, on being allies, increasing their awareness of, 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 um, of, of privilege and how they might use that to, to be supports for, for, for their friends and also for their, for themselves to educate their children so that we have a, a, a new population of people who are, who are, um, you know, aware of, of, of yeah. issues of, of racial injustice and, and sexism and all of these other things. So we can all live together in the same space peacefully, right? Yes, absolutely. And you, you mentioned Brianna Taylor, who was um, really tragically killed in Louisville and, and um, you know, 20-something young woman, um, I think working as a nurse or nurse um, a technician, um, you just uh, really think of the parents and think of the families and in those tragic stories and and there's there's so much to think about this with this so I'm glad you mentioned Brianna Taylor and women and Black Lives Matter was begun by women so that's another angle to this right um, yes absolutely well let's let's unpack a little bit of this but let me remind people because we really only have a few more minutes already um, you're listening to the check-in we do have a couple of lines open if you want to check in with us um, how are you talking with your kids your students um, are you a student how are you dealing with grief loss um, and how the grief and loss intersects with social justice for you um, are you trying to figure out how to be a good ally sounds like dr. Bordier is getting a lot of those questions um, how are you talking to your family about this um, how how are you being a good ally or how are you just getting by? Um, we'd love to hear from black parents, black students, and get your perspective on how you're dealing with this right now, particularly. Um, but wherever you're coming from, um, we've just got a few more minutes, but we can work you into this discussion if you have a comment or if you have a question for Dr. Tashel Bourdier. Um, Dr. Bourdier, another, there's so much to ask you about, um, but you, you talked about the complications and the various forms of grief um, and the stigmas with violent um, deaths and the grief following that, but also cumulative loss. I feel like cum cumulative loss, that phrase was um, pushed to me from a producer who had spoken with you. And boy, um, that's what we're seeing right now and dealing with. Um, how does that complicate things and how do you even begin to address that? Yes. Um... With And again, uh, something that I think many people on this call might be able to relate to is when a loss of any kind, when, when, when individuals are dealing with cumulative losses, right? So we just, even with coronavirus, if I might help people be able to just mm. think about this for yourself, whether you're a part of the black community, the white community, you know, um, um, you know, native community, Latino community. Um, if When we deal with losses, multiple losses across time, it really compromises our ability. It can compromise our ability to deal with each subsequent loss, um, particularly when we don't um, have, have supports in place, when systems are not in place um, to provide adequate support to populations um, who are dealing with these losses across time. So there's not a lot of support. I can tell you that many counselors are not trained in race-based trauma. Many counselors and therapists are actually not trained in loss and bereavement. Um, and so, and there are many who are doing great. So this is, this is just, I'm highlighting this because it just is not really a part of the educational processes. So um, mm -hmm. I think that they're doing their best. I will say that. Um, and so um, communities who are dealing with cumulative losses or so multiple losses across time, um, 
your 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 emotional energies, your physical energies. Again, so again, you may have heard at this process and 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 the media that people are exhausted. Yes. We're just emotionally exhausted uh, by the notion of from the notion of having to just repeatedly have these conversations. Um, repeatedly trying to explain privilege and, and, and homicide and why it's not okay. You know, people are making, you know, there are videos of people making fun of putting their knees in people's necks, and that's just re-traumatizing mm-hmm. for people who are mm-hmm. dealing with loss, both black populations and also for allies. So um, I guess I want to, so, so across time, cumulative losses can really compromise mm-hmm. our ability to cope. Um, and can lead to these other behaviors, right? You, there's a sense of despair can develop when we don't, when people don't see changes starting to, to happen. So I want to say things like, and I always want to bring some images of hope too. I do want to commend the officers who are taking a knee with families because we, we're, we're here to work together, right? And so that's a form of affirmation of a loss. One thing that tends to happen with um, Violent losses in particular that make this really challenging for people to grieve, especially the families, but also people who are observing, is that they they deal with stigma around, like, you know, where the victim is blamed for their own death, right? They must have done X, Y, or Z. You know, yes. what did they do before this thing that, that prompted this officer to, to press his neck, put his knee in his kid, this guy's neck for ten, nine minutes or however long it was, Mm-hmm. Um, instead of also just focusing on the, so anyway, without getting into legal aspects of this, the point is that there was a lot of criminalization of this guy, um, mm-hmm. who died that we, or death that we witnessed. Right. Um, and so, uh, the person, the person who dies is criminalized. That's hard for families. Um, you know, when a person dies by a natural death, you go to the funeral and grief is a lifelong journey, by the way, we never get over it. We never just move forward for people who are bereaved on this call. You understand that. Uh, but in our society, we want to rush people past their grief and say, just get back to life. Well, the truth is, in a homicide death, there's a trial, right? You end up seeing the perpetrator on trial. So um, this, 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 the difficulties of grief, the most difficult parts of grief are just prolonged. Um, also, deaths by homicide are, are publicized in the media, right? Mm-hmm. And so families are, are, and as well as the rest of the population with collective trauma, are watching these repeated images of of this guy's death just play over and over and over. I encourage people, by the way, not to put this on your Facebook page. It's traumatizing. If you want to be helpful, if you want mm-hmm. to be an ally, please don't show, put this on your Facebook page or, yeah. or, 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 or show it any more than it already is. It's traumatizing for your viewers. Believe it or not, it's tra- traumatizing for you. Um, and it's traumatizing for children to see this repeatedly. So um, keep yeah. that in mind. I also want to highlight something that is unique for black populations is black bodies are far more likely to be, play there is little privacy in general for people with homicide loss right it, it gets on the news your loved one's name is on there compared to natural deaths by like cancer and again cancer is imp- all deaths are important I'm, I'm simply i also want to say that i'm only highlighting that these are specific things that that add unique complications to death by homicide yes. all deaths are hard so in, in any case i just want to say that um um just being careful of those kinds of things right um and, and doing what we can to be to visibly demonstrate change, like people, we need to see visible changes to offset, you know, these constant representations of black bodies being deceased. It's it's, it's reminiscent of of historical times when when people were lynched and it was like publicized and put in mm. photographs and sent out to people. So there's a lot of historical trauma associated with this for underrepresented populations, black populations. So understanding that this has a whole whole another level of, of trauma and grief for people. And one final thing I want to say um, is that when we when we 
decide to punish people, a concept that I developed is suffocated grief, and that's the idea mm-hmm. that grief is further heightened and complicated when people are punished mm-hmm. and penalized for their normal grief reaction. So when when we see protesters out there who are who are who are quietly and actually even the ones who are making noise, I mean, who are protesting, who are expressing their grief, get penalized um, and and criticized and sprayed with hoses and 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 things like that. Uh, well, not hoses, whatever, uh, tear gas when they're when they're simply walking down the street quietly, then mm-hmm. they're being penalized. Their grief is being suffocated. Okay. Um, in these cases. So we don't want to penalize people for normal grief reactions. And again, that's a concept that I developed, but I, I want people to name their grief experiences when they see them and to know that that's what that's causing is suffocated grief. And that's, that's what I, that's, okay. those are my comments. Well, sure. those are, those are great comments. So necessary to, for us to hear Dr. Bordere. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we so appreciate you joining us today and we would love to keep the conversation going right now. Um, but thank you for joining us and please take care. Yes, thank you to the allies out there, and, and, and I'm thinking of you all. Take care. Thanks, Dr. Bordere. Uh, thank you. I apologize to the callers. Thank you for calling in. Um, please call us again. We will keep these conversations going all this week, including tomorrow. We'll have um, Professor Mike Middleton with us tomorrow uh, talking about the context historically for civil rights and protests. We'll also talk with Tracy wilson Kleekamp about our systems and how we can change them uh, here locally. Uh, Thanks again for joining us on The Check-In. I'm Janet Saidi. Stay well and stay in touch.